Hello, this is your host, Cheryl C. Jones, with a warning. This podcast contains true stories of individual genius that may inspire you to take action in your own life. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to Simply the Best Results Podcast. I'm your host, Cheryl Jones, with simplythebestresults.com. Today, we have a very special guest. Her name is Judy Lester, and Judy is all about self-leadership. She learned self-leadership at a very young age. In fact, let me tell you a little bit about Judy. From a super young age, she was one of those children who was to be seen and not heard. So she mastered the art of listening and observing others, and out of that came her ability to lead herself and others. And she's grown into this beautiful leader and life coach and business mentor. You know, Judy's career has spanned 30 years. She, believe me, she doesn't look like she could have had a professional career of 30 years. But of recently, it's include individual coaching, strategic planning, and executive leadership. Back in the day, she worked for a corporate bookstore in their leadership. And before she knew it, she was opening and running an award-winning specialty retail store. In 2016, she and her husband sold that booming business that they had had of 20 years, and she became a certified professional coach. Now, that says a lot right there. She had to jump through a lot of hoops and do a lot of education to become a certified coach. In addition to her listening skills that she developed naturally, she was able to add powerful questioning skills as well as ways to challenge our default thinking. And in fact, I've worked with her on a couple of occasions on a real informal basis, and she has a real knack for being able to shine the light on the hidden greatness of an individual. She's brought out a few things in me that um, I didn't really know were, were there, or maybe I did, but they were a little hidden. So Judy is wonderful when it comes to listening and being able to synthesize a message. I want to jump into our our conversation and talk a little bit, since this podcast is about, you know, how do you get simply the best results out of whatever you're doing? And today we're talking about self-leadership. I think it might be helpful to know a little bit more from Judy about her childhood and how she was reared and and those experiences, because from what I've gathered, it all kind of started back then. So, So Judy, when we think about achieving simply the best results, and in this case, self leadership, tell me how it really started for you. What was what were some of the great greatest influences? Thank you, Cheryl. I'm so excited to be here. And you know, I really began managing myself at a very young age. I was the extreme baby of my family. My brother got married the year I was born. My oldest sister, she uh, married when I was two. And so really, they were more like aunts and uncles to me. Um, And so I was a big oops. I had a sister that was a little bit more of an oops before me. Um, She was five years ahead of me, but my mom was done. She had already raised her kids as far as she was concerned, and she really didn't want me. And she made that really clear pretty much from as long as I can remember. Um, I cared for her in the last 15 years of her life. 
And even then, throughout much of my time showing up to see her and visit her, she would remind me and to think you were the child I didn't want. And here you are taking care of me. And so because she really approached me with that mindset and didn't want me to bother in any way, it really was to be seen and not heard. I really just observed and watched her and my father, who is an alcoholic, and who worked all day long hours as a boat repairman in West Texas. And if you know West Texas, there is no water out there. I was just so, going <laughs> to ask about that. Yeah. <laughs> so you can only imagine, you know, we were, we were pretty poor. And so he would come home at night, watch TV, and he would be really angry in his chair about whatever happened during the day. And he would drink a lot. But, you know, the really cool thing about him is that he, he had a really big heart. And he was very innovative. And he was a very smart man. And the one thing that he said to me that has always stuck with me is, if you don't get it, it's your own darn fault. And he typically would curse all the time, but for me, he <laughs> used the word darn. <laughs> that was because I so, consider it. Mm -hmm. It was very considerate, especially since I repeat it all the time now. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> it's one of those things that as I watched and observed my mom and my sister really live and, and my brother even my adult brother as he was starting to have kids even when I was very young um how much victim they felt to their circumstances mm. and it's weird that as a kid I would even notice that but I really made the deliberate effort from as long as I can remember to say I am not going to choose to let that define me you know I didn't really think of course in those terms as a child but I was thinking I'm not going to be like that I'm going to be happy. I'm going to figure out what I need to do to make myself have the happiness that I don't see here. And so that really, I latched onto that and it really propelled me to success in virtually everything I did in life, really starting even in high school where um, I got a job as a little donut seller and oh. <laughs> over a short period of time, they made me an assistant manager. And then the wonderful manager there, she just really took me under her wing and she um, allowed me to take over the payroll of that little donut shop. And so I, I wrote paychecks every week to everyone that worked there. And so for three years, I worked there and really began to prove out my initial leadership skills. So and that was so great to just reinforce me. And yes. it, it, it definitely defined me. Well, and, what, and you were in high school at that point and you're doing payroll? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Holy crazy? cow. Boy, they, she really yeah. trusted you. That's amazing. Not that you shouldn't be trusted, but the point is right. it's to have a high school age student taking care of such an important job. It was highly significant. And that's amazing. You know, what fascinates me about your story is the, the tenacity or the, it's both tenacity and awareness that you had early on that you wanted something different, you know, and that you were mm -hmm. aware enough to go, I don't want that. I want something better. And, to, and I just, you know, it's amazing. I just wonder how that seed was planted because so often we become a product of our environment, which it sounds like maybe your siblings did in some way, you know, when you, you made the statement about how they were, the, they were victimized by their circumstances. Yes. 
and I see, I've seen that in my experience in meeting people and so forth. They blame the circumstances, they blame their, their, you know, their, how they were reared and, and their parents and so forth. And, and in your case, it's, it's not a blame. It's, it's almost, um, I hear it more appreciative because had you not had that experience, you might not have chosen something different. Kind of what I'm thinking. That's exactly true. In in working with people, I find the same thing that the more natural response is to be defined by your circumstances and to um, just regret them and wish they were different and they do inhibit you. And it's not to say in some ways this didn't inhibit me. I mean, my mom was a huge judge and for years I lived in fear of judgment mm-hmm. and I'm constantly fought being defined by other people's judgment, how they not judge me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I definitely had to overcome that. But really, the, even though that was the default thinking that I had to overcome personally, it didn't nearly have the stronghold on me as the positive side of it that I took, the positives from it that said, I am not going to be defined by this. And I, I think that is odd <laughs> actually it's fairly unusual and I've always felt a little bit like a freak because of it not a freak in a good way <laughs> but I know you and I know you're not a freak so yeah there we go right exactly <laughs> <laughs> well and and your statement the, the statement that you um you shared with us that your dad would make you know if you don't get it I, I interpret that as meaning if there's something you want and you don't have it or you can't you're not getting it then it's because you haven't done enough or you haven't tried hard enough or, you know, you put your mind to it. And that really inspires that, that self-management, that self-leadership, the motivate self-motivation to take action, you know? Um, Yes, for sure. Because that is one of those things when I would start to slip into that victim mode at all, that, that mm -hmm. sentence would just come into my head. You know what, if I don't get this, it's my own fault. So what do I need to do about it? There you go. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. Cause so much in my years of working in corporate environment and working with people one-on-one, I see a lot of finger pointing why I don't have this or why so-and-so mm-hmm. has something else, you know, and I don't. And it's like, Holy cow. I think this is such a unique orientation and it's so inspiring, honestly. <laughs> um, well, well, let's, thank you. Absolutely. Let's talk some more about philosophy or our ideals that have contributed to your success, because obviously you were, you were noticed early on and, and then, you know, then you went, you were in the bookstore business and did very well there and ended up taking over and opening a a really large, as I recall, bookstore and it did super well, you know, and then you started your own retail business that's a huge jump. Retail is in my mind. So I don't come from retail. I come from hospitality. Um, but to me, mm-hmm. retail is super hard <laughs> in my mind. It is. Good. Yes. Okay. It's not, I didn't make it up. But, um, <laughs> it's not just in your mind. <laughs> yeah. But 20 years as a successful retailer to me is just phenomenal, you know? So tell me a little bit about maybe the philosophies or, or ideals that you held that, contributed to that success in those businesses? Well, I think that first of all, besides my upbringing, defining my desire to really look inside myself for what I needed to do to to move forward in any situation to get what I wanted. 
you know, one thing I really do have to be thankful about for my mom is that she took us to church every time the doors were open. Mm. And I'm talking, I was at church five times a week as a child <laughs> and from the minute I was born. <laughs> and while a lot of the things that you learn in church were not lived at home, it gave me a great foundation of hope and blessing and of a savior who loves me. So I always had that to stand on, even in the toughest times when I was trying to figure out how do I make this happen? Just being able to go to a little prayer chapel that our church had and pray, seek the peace of God was Mm -hmm. huge for me in all the different things that I have tackled in my life. And so I have that strong foundation of faith to really lean upon. And then the next influence was probably that ever present voice of my father, you know, Mm -hmm. that you just got to keep going. You got to get what you want or because nobody else is going to do it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had this boss when I was, oh, I don't know, in my late 20s. I was working in the book business. I was a district manager at the time. And this particular supervisor was one who just wanted to pick you apart no matter what. And I really hadn't encountered anyone like that. People generally um, were very complimentary of everything I did because I was very much a go-getter and he came in and no matter what I was doing with my stores even though they were getting fabulous results he could find things and just pick them apart and so it was eating my lunch Mm -hmm. and I read the book Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Mm -hmm. Stephen Covey because I I was in the book business and I could read all kinds of books and I really did a lot of self-education that way but in there, he really talks about working on your circle of control. And with this boss, that's what I had to do is really look at it and say, what, I can't control him. I can't do what, you know, I can't make James be different than James. He just is. And so how can I respond to him differently? And that was enormous for me because once I let go of trying to control him and wishing he were different and shifted back over to what I control you know if I don't get it it's my own darn fault and really just moving forward with what I knew was right to do for my district things just magically continued to happen but the the little shift I had was that I instead of trying to make it be about me I made it be about him and basically just took it and a little bit fed his ego with it thanks for all your support look what I was able to do um (laughs) And in planting the idea that he was supporting me, he really felt like he was. And then he began to love me and I could do no wrong. And the coolest thing about that was then he actually recommended me to the largest bookseller in the U.S. And they hired me to be a district manager and ultimately a regional director for over 100 stores. Wow. And so in turning around that one relationship, it propelled my my professional success far beyond probably what I would have ever thought or imagined I could do. Yeah. Well, and that to me really, you know, is, is self-leadership. When you take, when you take the time to look internally and say, okay, what's going on with me and take the time to do self-development, like read Covey's book and then actually apply it. That's self-leadership, you know, and look at the payoff. Wow. That was, that's incredible. I mean, I know everything didn't happen overnight, but it'd take all of it to mm-hmm. a little bit of time, I'm sure. But the thing is, the rewards were outstanding. The rewards were outstanding. So now I'm, of course, very thankful for James. And 
that struggle that he pushed me through because it really refined me and helped me to be such a better leader of myself and of others. Because then I created a workshop around all of that. I taught it to all of my store managers. And then from there, I had them take it and teach it to all of their employees. And it just propelled things further. It just ballooned uh, into something so amazing and wonderful that I've carried with me ever since. And anytime we come against things that aren't easy and don't come naturally, Mm -hmm. it and these difficulties, finding the resources necessary to break through and move forward is you know, it's easy. They're out there. We just have yeah. to be brave and go look for them and mm-hmm. take them and do something with them. Absolutely. And not wait for somebody to give it to us. Yeah, exactly. You know, or, and, and, you know, things show up left and right. If we'll just open our eyes, you know, there's opportunities That's- left and right to, to interview somebody, to talk with somebody informally. It doesn't have to be on a podcast or to write an article. You could meet somebody and, and say, well, wow, how did, how did you become who you are? You know, and, what were some of mm-hmm. the things you learned? And and they would love to tell you that. And it's a great way to learn. And of course, reading books is helpful. Taking courses and seminars is helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm curious, what was the 20-year retail store you had after your big bookstore? Okay. Was- so that was called the Escape Fine Crafts and Gifts. And it started out as the Escape Artisan Gallery, but we changed the name because People were confused by artisan and gallery. (laughs) (laughs) And so like three years in, we changed the name to the Escape Fine Crafts and Gifts. The store in downtown Georgetown, we started out in just a little 450 square foot space and then expanded it in that same space to 1,100 square feet in the first four and a half years. And then here's the thing that's really interesting, especially given the times we're in at this moment where we're experiencing this pandemic with the stock market crash. Right. is that we had decided to purchase a building, a hundred year old building, renovate it and move into it in um, 2001. And September of 2001, we had just basically stripped the entire building down to four stone walls because it had been in a fire in the past and it was just kind of popped up on the inside. Mm. So we had huge investment into that building and into the remodel when the trade center bombings occurred. Oh my gosh. And business went to nothing and on top of that I was pregnant with our first child (laughs) so (laughs) that's one of those moments where you're going okay Lord what are you gonna teach me in this but um you know we just kept moving forward knowing and trusting that we kind of did the build and dream thing if you build it they will come (laughs) because when you're in these kind of dire situations where you feel completely out of control Again, sticking in what you can control. I can't control that the world is going crazy around me, but I can control the path I'm already on. Yes. And if I freak out and divert, it's not going to serve me well. But mm-hmm. if I stay the course and just be confident and strong and get through the best I can, it's all going to be all right on the other side. And it was. And, and it was. we grew it for 15 years in that location, that spot after we remodeled. And then sold it for a really nice profit and now get to help other businesses create the success they desire. That's fabulous. Awesome. What a cool, Oh, I, I so appreciate you sharing that with me because that's amazing. What it was, a, what a positive thing to come out of those events of 2001. And, Oh, I can just imagine the, the immediate shock of being heavily invested, have a baby on the way and the world, uh-huh. you know, that day. So 
thank you for sharing that story. It's nice to see a, pos a really positive thing come out the other side. <laughs> right. Because a lot of times in these situations where things are not going well and you don't think that you have any control over them, you really don't over the situation, but you have control over how you respond to the situation. And that's all that matters. Yep. Back to the self-leadership thing. Absolutely. That's right. So what are some of the best practices that like you would recommend me and our listeners recommend to us that we might use to get the, our best results kind of thing? So I think one of the things that has really served me well, going back to my childhood, is the <laughs> listening, mm -hmm. listening and observing, because we tend to want to talk too much. I think in, when you take time to pause and listen and observe others, there's so much to learn about not only them, but the greatness within them that's inspiring to you. And so that's one of the things that I really encourage people to do, and I love to do myself, is just listen and observe, and then lean in and serve. Mm. Um, I think those are really great ways to connect. And I think as people, we need to connect, and we can do that in so many different ways. But the best way to do that is to listen. The other things are probably um, like vision casting. I'm really, you have to look toward where you're going. I mean, like that time when those trade center bombings happened and we were building this whole new store in these antique walls and just keeping the vision of what it was going to be and what it was going to serve and how it was going to be a value to our community and to Texas. Keeping that vision in mind really helped keep that momentum to get past the fears. Yeah. Same thing with understanding just that that's part of your purpose. Mm -hmm. You know, our, mm -hmm. our purpose was to open the store to serve people and serve them well and to be a, a bright and shining star that would make people feel good when they came in. That was one of the great things about our mission in our store was that we had all these beautiful things and we just loved to have people come in all day and go, Oh, it's so nice to just come in and hear this beautiful music and see something beautiful. I had a bad day and this just made me feel better. Oh, nice. And even if they didn't buy anything that day, wow, that was so rewarding, you know? Mm -hmm. They'll be back. Um, the other thing, <laughs> yes, and they are. They were back yeah. <laughs> over and over and bringing friends. And so the other thing is creating goals that really stretch and plan you or stretch you mm -hmm. and with timelines and accountability and that sort of thing. I think it's so easy to just get kind of pulled by whatever comes up and you get off track. You're just kind of responding and paddling and trying to keep up mm. with whatever's coming your way rather than being very deliberate about goals and plans with timelines and accountability that are far in the distance, you know, not just the immediate that's coming flying at you. Because you know, that a lot one, of that immediate can go away if you're really focused on oh, that greater goal. Absolutely. And as an entrepreneur, and we know a lot of entrepreneurs, that is so um, easy to have happen around you because yes. right idea and all, you thought you were on one path and all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, I need to do this now. And it's in, and I've got shiny object syndrome really bad. And I tend to jump around <laughs> and just yesterday. Mm -hmm. it so it's sometimes hard to know which one you're, you're to stick with. It's like, well, but I said this, I'm going to do this. But I also get what you're saying about not be willy nilly and floating around and just waiting for something to show up, mm -hmm. being intentional about it, making a plan, setting those goals. 
totally. That's, that's yes. self-management, self-leadership too. So another one that is really important, I think, for self-leadership is to start your day with some disciplines that you just do every day to keep you grounded and focused. And for me, that is having a time of prayer and gratitude. It's having some celebrations, really thinking about what do, what am I celebrating that I accomplished yesterday or uh, an effect I had on someone or something great I did toward my mission, doing those celebrations. I think it's so easy to get caught up in the what I didn't get done and what I haven't done mm -hmm. that making that a discipline to really recognize and celebrate what you what you are accomplishing and what is happening. And then I do a daily devotional. All of those things really help me remain focused and on track. And if I skip it one morning, man, does it throw my day off. And so I really believe in creating some daily disciplines for whatever it is you value and mm -hmm. is important to you and you know feed your soul start your day that way that's a great suggestion that's a really good one yeah i had a system and i got kind of off of it hearing you talk about it reminds me of how supportive it really was i need to probably get back to that <laughs> right and that's easy it is easy to get off track i've had certainly times when i did but like i said whenever that happens after about a week i'm going oh gosh i have got to get back to that because i'm just all over the place now mm -hmm. and so it's, it's very easy to get off track. And then I really think being authentic and genuine to yourself. And because, like I told you, I had a hard time overcoming the fear of judgment of others, learning to let go of the judgment of others, not worrying about what other people think, but just doing what you know is right for you. So far, I haven't found that that hurts me. The more I've learned <laughs> to embrace it, <laughs> it actually helps me. And so I think that one is really important and most of us get caught up in our heads worrying what other people are going to think absolutely and, but we're all imperfect humans and yet we're perfectly ourselves and so just mm. be perfectly yourself i like that one that, that's great that's great what do you think your life would be like if you if you had been more like your siblings and less like judy i because think i would some really cool stuff along the way I have and you know when I look at it and when I wander off path a little bit from time to time I think what I see is that I would live a tolerable life you know probably conflicted by what I want and what I believe and more based on how I might think others define me mm -hmm. and I think probably experience more struggle and dissatisfaction I think I don't know if I I probably would have chased more things that would have left me unfulfilled because it wouldn't have been true to who I was and what I was. And I guess most likely I would have ended up more in a victim mode, victim mentality, just like that, that I was raised in. Right. Yeah. I imagine, I imagine so. Is there a who or a what big influence on you? Is there, a, is there a who or a what that's had the biggest influence on who you've become as a person? Definitely God has been at the center of it all for most of my life. I did depart when I left home. Um, I, I departed my faith. I departed any relationship with God whatsoever for about 13 years. Mm. And um, I had a miscarriage and that just shook me and brought me back. And then I've had and a really close walk with God ever since. And I think that that one influence has been the overarching thing throughout my entire life 
even when I wasn't aware of his presence or ignoring his presence, I know he was with me, leading me and guiding me, really helping me become the best person that I could be to not only love and serve him, but love and serve others the absolute best that I can. Mm, that's lovely. It really is. It's a nice reminder too. Or worry or doubt or fear. And yet for some reason I didn't. And I, I guess I can only attribute that to God and the fact that when you focus on yourself and what you can control, not in a selfish way, but just by being your best self and doing only the things that you can do and not trying to make others gyrate to what you want them to, it's a whole lot less stressful because you can't help people. You can't change people who don't want to be helped or changed. You can only help and change yourself. You know, you're absolutely right. And one of the things that I've learned is that, in, and you described it beautifully when you talked about the manager that you reported to that was kind of overbearing and, and controlling. And it's when you changed, and, and I find this true for me too, when I changed, everyone else around me changed. And I believe, you know, okay. it's, it's, an, it's beyond just our doing this. It's also the energy we carry with us. So if we're carrying a resistant, keep somebody away or trying to control our circumstances, other people are going to pick up on that and they're actually going to reflect it back to us sometimes, you know, depending on the circumstance, of course, I've seen it happen lots of different ways. When you change, everyone else has to change. They don't even know they're doing it. And I've just seen instance and example after another where that's occurred. I think having, being conscious about your choice of change is masterful i mean is is the, the highest compliment you could pay to yourself god and everyone else and I, I so agree with what you said there because it is when you quit trying to control everything and everybody it allows them to become their best self and learn mm -hmm. how to how to self-manage it it does it's the snowball effect <laughs> that um, everybody can begin to to be better self-leaders as you quit trying to over-manage them. I wish I, I had seen that growing up earlier in my, you know, in all my management positions because I was lucky. Of course, all of it contributed to, to who I am today, just like it's contributing, your experiences have contributed to you. Mm -hmm. But I had my fair share of controlling managers and and not very collaborative. You know, it was do as I say. And I'm like, why? It's don't ask questions, just do as I say. And mm -hmm. not a few that were not that way, but it seems like those uh, those strong ones were the ones that stick out in my memories. <laughs> <Weren't> right. The... <laughs> but I have to thank them because I know what I don't want now. You know, I don't want to be that and I don't want to work for that. Exactly. And so what's next for you? You know, where are you focusing today and what's on the horizon for you in the future? I know that, you know, we're talking at a time that we're in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic, and this is a really strange environment that we're sitting in right now. Things are occurring in our world like never before. Tell me what's, what's on the horizon for you, and is that influencing you? I think it's very important in this time for me to really reflect on where do I make the best impact? What is it that I can do to help? And in some ways, I think this is a time for us all to pause and ask ourselves, what, what does that look like for me? And what does this look like in the new normal? Because we all have to live in the reality of we're pretty much told the whole, 
hold up in our houses, get out as little as possible and try not to communicate or be around others. And already with devices, we're a somewhat secluded society constantly with our faces and our phones and our computers. And so how do we make an impact that is going to reach what this is going to bring us to? And I think what my hope is, is that as we are learning to do more virtually, it actually is going to have that opposite effect that by being just totally immersed in having to figure out ways to have fun, to interact and to do things without getting out, that we'll lean in as family units first, but that also we'll begin to see and chart courses to how we see that this just is really not healthy for us to be constantly behind the screen. Mm. And it's not healthy for us to hold up in our homes working all the time, but to how we get out and engage with one another. And so I really want to be a support in that for people who are in retail, because I mostly help retailers because that's been my lifelong thing, is to really evolve their stores into something that is kind of like a refuge, like what we had in our store, because I saw that it worked. And I would love to have the, when we buy things as consumers, it not be just a transaction where you push a button on the computer and it shows up on your porch, but instead you go out and you enjoy other humans. You get to hear a little bit of their story. You get to be inspired by a little bit of their story. And you get to feel, touch, and experience products like we once did years ago <laughs> in a different kind of environment. Mm -hmm. I, I don't, that's my vision. And, you know, with that, I really hope that the other thing I'm very passionate about is helping kids who don't see college as their path find other paths. And often retail is a good path for that. And I would love to create ultimately a retail university to help kids come out of school and be able to take that maybe money that was saved for college and put it into launching their own business successfully right from the start. Oh, that'd and, be cool. And, yeah, I think that would be really cool. So those are just kind of some of my long-term visions and where I see myself in the scheme of all of this in my little, my, my little retail world that I've lived in. Well, I think that's a fabulous idea because I think a lot of people get into not only retail, but hospitality, restaurants, or mm -hmm. whatever it might be, and have no experience about business. Uh, you know, my, my many years in hospitality and has taught me a lot, but I learned a lot of that from being in a, in a corporate environment and taking classes, but having it all in one unit and to know how to do retail successfully would be phenomenal. It's an easy business to get into and everybody thinks they can do it, but it's a very difficult one because there's so many components and moving parts with ordering products and managing how you order products and, you know, how much to order and when and when to clearance. And there's just all these extra nuts and bolts around it that oh, yeah. there's all the normal business basics. But mm. when you're dealing with acquisition and selling of products, there's, it just adds a ton more little components. Is there any exciting news or events that are coming up for you that you'd like to share with our listeners that you want them to know about? You know, at this point, kind of events are a little on hold and um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just really stay in the course at this moment to create, a really strong foundation in how I serve my clients in retail now and continuing to grow that business and be a support during this time where 
people are experiencing an extreme loss of revenue and they're they're really afraid and they don't know what to do and leaning into the reality that and really working on the circle of control, the things that can be done and doing them to the best of our abilities with the resources we have to just keep moving forward with hope and faith and trust and knowing that it's all going to be okay. Yes, it will be. It will be. And we're all in this together. And I think that's an important yeah. thing to, and whether we were having a crisis or not, we are still in this together. And we've, uh, we, I yeah. think that's something we've forgotten. We're not alone. Mm -hmm. And there's always, you know, there's always each other. And then there's always God looking in after us. I think that it's important to, to, you know, for us to keep that in mind and to be able to move forward. You know, this too shall pass. I expect something even better and bolder on the other side. So I think holding that expectation is really the key. Having um, had an opportunity to visit with you on multiple occasions when I was trying to get some of my thoughts straight, I can't say enough about your ability to listen and synthesize and intuit what's going on with people and help them discover maybe answers that weren't as clear to them or are available to them beforehand. And, and I, I recommend you highly because of my experience with you, by the way, Judy did not pay me to say that. However, I, do, <laughs> I, I want people to know that, that, that you're very approachable and insightful and there's a lot of, uh, of value there. And I look forward to our continued relationship and, you know, to just um, watching what you do in the world, because I think you have, some special, special qualities there that we all can benefit from. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate all of those kind words. And you know, the feeling is mutual. Um, thank you. For the listeners, I met Cheryl through the National Speakers Association. She was the president um, as I came in and her leadership skills were just second to none of anyone I've seen in a volunteer position in an association and continues even as past president to serve the organization so well. And so I really admire you as a leader and it has been my complete joy and honor to spend time with you and to learn from you as well because your big heart and your execution of things and your way of just listening and assessing and redirecting situations is so powerful. And I just am so grateful that I've had the opportunities that I've had to benefit from the times I've been with you. Thank you. That was very kind of you. Thank you very much. Well, please tell the listeners how they can reach you. Oh, I love to be reached any way possible. So um, <laughs> I love talking to people. I love listening to people. You need somebody to listen to you. Give me a call. So my website is Judy Lester, J-U-D-Y-L-E-S-T-E-R.com. And the email is judy at judylester.com. So that's pretty simple. And my phone number is 512-630-6068. Love to hear from you. Wonderful. Judy, thank you again for being on our podcast today. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star rating. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button. To connect with me, Cheryl C. Jones, you can find me on LinkedIn and Facebook by my name. Don't forget that Cheryl is spelled with a C-H and be sure to include my middle initial, the letter C. You're welcome to email me at Cheryl at simplythebestresults.com or visit my website of www.simplythebestresults.com for more information and inspiration. 
This has been a GSTBR production. Created and hosted by me, Cheryl C. Jones. Edited by Brandy Hockaday and produced by Kathy Holscher. New episodes are available each Thursday on Apple, Stitcher, Spreaker, Google, and many other podcast directories. Thanks for joining us this week, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.